0: Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. Dominic, your background disappeared.
1: It did, it did. I, I reset it in case it messed anything <laughs> up. Or it, there, was, there was a Star Trek background that I I guess I had. Uh, well, that uh, was cool, was
0: and brother. your guitars are just as cool. Guys, help me welcome Dominic Burgess onto our show. Uh, wow. Dominic has been in a whole bunch of stuff and is starring in a new show called Dr. Death. Premiering on Peacock here very soon. How are you doing, Dominic?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much. No, Uh,
0: thank you for being here with us. And I want to get the ball rolling right away. Your first professional credits, at least according to IMDb, which you got to take with a little bit of grain of salt, uh is is Batman Begins. All right. (laughs) Now, (laughs) it's amazing. Your first professional acting credit. What was it like Walking onto that Warner Brothers big budget set. Was it oh, overwhelming? Boy.
1: You know, uh, let's talk about Batman Begins. Um, this was it was my first job out of drama school. In fact, I auditioned for it on the day that I graduated from drama school. I rushed into central London. Uh, I auditioned with the casting director uh, Elaine Granger. Oh, I think I think she was with Su- uh, Lucinda Sison at the time, um, and I auditioned for uh, for the role of an Arkham inmate who was going to escape. And I had uh, scenes where I was uh, I guess I was uh, coming up on. I can't remember the... Jack... Is it Jack Gleason who plays Joffrey in Game of Thrones? And I was supposed to yes. be threatening him in the yeah, audition. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, then I raced back for my graduation. And then I found out I booked it. And... Oh man, I thought... I was so naive. And so green. And here was little me thinking... I just graduated from drama school. And I'm going to be in a Batman film. Uh, <laughs> and they were filming about an hour outside of London in these huge hangars that I guess used to house old airplanes Mm -hmm. and blimps, and they had built the narrows of of Gotham City inside one of them. Wow. And the Batmobile was right there, and, oh, man. You played a cop.
0: You played a cop.
1: Yeah, because I went through wardrobe, and then one of the wardrobe women were like, wait, hold on. You're so young and fresh-faced. I, I don't believe that you could be a criminal. And then there was a whole chain of conversation. And then I got turned into a cop, which was totally fine. Um, and then I had a couple of lines down in the narrows. And I was, so, I was so excited. And it was a great three days. And I got to see the Batmobile. And I got to see... It was my first time seeing all this stuff and seeing the stuntmen fly up on the rig. And... Of course, then I told all my friends. I was like, I'm going to be the Batman Begins. Um, And then I took like 10 friends to the Odeon Cinema. And, oh boy, that sinking feeling where the moment passes. Where you know that you should have appeared on screen. And it's cut. And it's gone. And I just shrank in my seat. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, I think it's a lesson for every actor uh-huh. that it doesn't, you can have the most wonderful time on set, but it doesn't mean you'll end up on screen. Um, my name survived the credits, which is that's, delightful. That's awesome.
0: And you know uh, what? The most important thing is the experience you got. Not many people graduating great. drama school get to be, even if you're seen as cut, get to be on the set of something like that.
1: Yes. Um so yeah, it was it was a wonderful experience. Uh and then I did I bounced from uh Batman to Doctor Who. Yes. And again it was just a couple of lines, but this time I didn't tell anyone. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't I can't go through that again. So I kept quiet about that one until it aired and I was like, Oh I made it. I made it. Okay. <laughs> um and it's it's happened a couple of times since I, I did an episode of uh <clears throat> 90210 and and that was uh all sort of cut out and i worked on a couple of episodes of goliath and then that completely changed and they went a different direction for the season so they scrapped the whole first three episodes of a, a season um it, it happens it's yeah it's, yeah. Part, of the it's job. part
0: of the job now going just a little bit more on batman begins it's a christopher nolan movie it seems like everything christopher nolan touches turns into gold did you have the pleasure of meeting him talking to him at all, or no?
1: no, not directly um it was i think a first a d that would relay everything he was off in video village mm-hmm. and you know especially early on in my career now now i'm uh a little more well you're a veteran so, now yeah now i'm now I'm happy getting to set and speaking to someone directly and getting direction and and asking questions back then or you know early on in my career i was very quiet and very timid and you know oh hello i'm very happy to be here i'm just gonna sit in this corner until you need me okay thanks so much bye um and you know as you as you grow you you gain confidence and yeah, now now I'd be asking questions. I'd be like, can I go see the video village? I want to watch. Yeah, um, yeah, which I love to do. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So, Doctor Death. I have uh, it hasn't premiered yet. It's a Peacock show. I've had the privilege through a festival to see uh, screeners of the show, great. and it looks great uh, for our audience. The background storyline. Is about this doctor, spinal doctor, uh, surgeon, who basically is not doing the most ethical of things in the operating room. And some people want to stop him. Uh, first of all, how did you, uh, you have a pretty major role in this. Uh, what is it like? You have appeared on numerous projects uh, over the course of years on a single project. What is it like booking Dr. Death and having your name, like, be third or fourth in the credits?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's uh, a little... In, it was intimidating. Inti- it was intimidating. Um, you know, much much like Joshua Jackson, I wasn't originally cast in this role. Um, so... Because of COVID and schedule changes, I was going to be going to Mexico to do a, a, I don't think that's a limited series anymore. I think that's gone for a second season now, but I was going to go down to Mexico to shoot something and that got put on hold. And then Dr. Death got put on hold and Jamie Dornan dropped out, Joshua Jackson jumped in. Then I jumped in. And committed and then Mexico called and was like we're going Um, so it was like this domino effect of I guess people jumping from project to project Um, so I I didn't know I didn't know much about Christopher dunch the the surgeon so I I tore through the podcast and I play Jerry summers Mm -hmm. who is uh, Christopher dunch's best friend and he helped him set up his business, he was his right-hand man and he would drive him around and he he was sort of a, a man behind the scenes and he ended up offering his neck for Christopher Dunch wow. to perform surgery on and then he became quadriplegic after two, two terrible surgeries
0: and... It's a fascinating story.
1: Oh my goodness. It's... It's terrifying. It's terrifying, mm-hmm. you know, when you go in for and I've had, any kind of I've, medical procedure. I've, yeah.
0: I've had three back surgeries, so yeah. I can relate uh, with yeah. how terrifying it is. You're putting your trust into a doctor, and to have that betrayed is, yeah. you're right, it's terrifying.
1: It's 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 so scary, and... You know, with with Jerry being a real guy, I listened to the podcast, and in the original uh, sort of run of podcasts, he he wasn't too forthcoming. He didn't really want to talk about his experience. He still held Chris in high regard and considered him a good friend. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I didn't reach out to him in terms of you know probing or asking questions or figuring out how to to play him uh because i, I thought that would be you know a, a, a little rude and crass for someone who'd been through something so yeah. traumatic um but he was this big gregarious loving guy and he was so loyal to christopher dunch and, and sort of that that's the angle that i i approached uh with, with jerry in terms of playing him
0: so that research that you did and talking to him really helped you get into character.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't talk to him, um, but I, I listened to the podcast, the podcast and interviews, and I I tried to find video footage where I could, um, and just through. Listening to to who he was and how outgoing and how, how friendly he was I did I tracked down his social media account uh, on Twitter and um, Even after everything that he'd been through uh, after becoming quadriplegic he was still so optimistic and he loved his dog and he loved his care team and he loved sports and He was, he was so upbeat. Yeah. Um, And then during the course of filming, uh, we were filming all of the the hospital scenes and Wendy, our script supervisor came out from behind video village and, and said that uh, Jerry Summers had died uh, the day before. Um, And he'd actually died. uh, He he died in February of this year. So it it really, um, Mm you know it's 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 tough because you 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 want to have fun and and make filming a a joyous process but you know in the in the same regard it's real people who have been through real trauma and and so it, you sort of have to give them the, the the respect that that they deserve rightly so
0: and when you found the news that he passed away you said this past february were you guys still filming at that point?
1: We were. We, um, I was filming a scene where I wake up from my first surgery um, with Grace Gummer. And then we were we were getting ready to shoot a scene where they were going to be wheeling me through a hallway to, to go prep for my second surgery. Um, and we still had two more days of hospital scenes to, to shoot at at that point. Uh, and then followed up with all the the courtroom scenes as well. So it really, because up to that point in the series, Jerry had sort of been not the comedic relief, but sort of a lighter character compared to all this darkness that the Christopher Dunch was doing. Um, and that really brought, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say it, it, it. helped me get in character because it's so. I would never presume to to say that someone's death helped me get in character, but it, it really just well, put how, a gravitas d- on proceedings.
0: Let me ask you this: When you found out about his death, did it did you feel an added weight of responsibility to bring accuracy to the character and to do? uh i don't know what the right word is justice to what this man yes. had endured
1: yeah uh and i i felt that i felt that even before going into it and it's it's something that i had discussed with patrick mcmanus the, the showrunner and uh, and the directors was that i never you, it, jerry is big and gregarious and and fun but i i never wanted to portray him as the butt of the joke yeah. or that he was naive or reckless um my approach to him was that he was so loyal he loved christopher dunch so much and he had a place and he had a purpose and he loved he loved christopher dunch and so that was really my angle was coming was coming at him from a place of being this loyal friendly guy who was manipulated? Christopher Dunch manipulated so many people. He manipulated the medical system. He manipulated patients. People people were enamored yeah. with him. They would yeah. come in uh, for a consultation, and he would convince them that he was the guy for the job. And I think he did the same with Jerry. You know, he used him for his own personal gain. And I, I think that you know in both a uh, surgical capacity and in a, a, a emotional capacity, I think Jerry was was used and manipulated. Yes,
0: yes, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Let's talk about your castmates. Uh, Doctor Death has some great cast members. I got to tell you, it was really good seeing Christian Slater again uh, mm-hmm. on the screen. What was it like working with Alec Baldwin, Christian Slater, and uh, Christopher Dunch is played by Joshua Jackson? Mm -hmm. Uh, Describe your experience working with uh, Baldwin and Slater and Jackson.
1: Well, it's actually funny because I never met uh, Alec or Christian um, because the way that the show is formatted is sort of it splits into parallel storylines There's present day. And there's sort of everything that's going on with Christopher Dunge from the nineties leading up to the present. Yeah. It's told like um, a
0: flashback. Yes.
1: And so I never had, uh, scenes with, uh, with Alec or Christian. I was so ex- I wanted to meet Christian so much just to ask about star Trek six. Cause I'm a big star Trek guy. um, and the timing didn't work. One day I thought it was going to work out, but we were going to be on set at the same time, and it was like I'm going to ask him about Undiscovered Country, um, and it didn't it didn't work out. But that's okay. There'll be another opportunity. Yeah, well um, but Josh Jackson, uh, it's so fascinating because he's he's such a warm, friendly, open guy, and then to see him switch on and go into sort of Christopher Dunch mode. Is I mean testament to to him as an artist. Uh, he becomes very intense mm-hmm. um, when he's in that role, um, and he imbued him so well um, that he, you know he's intimidating. He's got this this laser stare, and he becomes intimidating. Even though Jerry's his best friend, um, you know, there's still that line that that Jerry won't cross with him. Yeah. He comes close to, to telling him how he really feels a, a couple of times, but right up until the end, Jerry Jerry defends him. But yeah, Josh was... He was so great, and he was a new father at this... I mean, he's still a new father. Um, you know, he he and his wife had, had just had a baby, and we were filming in the middle of a pandemic, and so, the, you know, the circumstances of, of filming it were very much... Come in, do the scene, and then separate uh, yeah. to your own little space and keep your distance from everyone else. Um, so it was a it was a very odd experience, but so warm and and so wonderful. And Anna Sophia, Robb and, and Grace Gummer. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, wonderful.
0: I mean, casting Joshua was perfect because he plays that, you know, the way you described it, charismatic, will, can sell ice to an Eskimo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was a great, great casting choice. Let's jump ahead because you mentioned you're a Star, a Star Trek fan. What was it like when you landed on Picard? Oh,
1: my gosh. Well, for dream. me,
0: my favorite Star Trek, I'm a Star Trek fan, too. Uh-huh. But I grew up with uh, the next generation, the Picard gang. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people the older generation were with the original show. But for me, Picard. The uh-huh. I mean, a lot of people, James T. Kirk, for me it's Patrick Stewart and Picard. Uh-huh. What was it like getting onto the you know, Star Trek Picard?
1: Oh my gosh. So I mean I, I've loved Star Trek for so long. Uh I think I'd seen I think my brother had made me watch Wrath of Khan and I'd seen Star Trek 3 and I'd seen Voyage Home and then I remember back in England Next Generation would play on Sky One and BBC Two and so I would race home from school and I would do my homework while I was on in the background um, and then Voyager was really my Star Trek because yeah. that was because when I got into Next Generation, it was sort of already in semi syndication, where it was on every mm-hmm. night of the week, and so you didn't have to wait for cliffhangers or. And or it anything actually
0: like still that. is. That's how popular it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still a go. I was watching Best of Both Worlds last night while I was waiting for Loki to to start up um, at midnight. But um, yeah, Voyager was my show. That was the one that I watched from pilot to finale mm-hmm. as it aired live, and then I would have to wait for the cliffhangers, and it was. It was exciting, and yeah, that's that's my Star Trek. And so then when I found out that Jerry Ryan was going to be on Picard as well, and I would have a scene with her and Patrick Stewart, and it was going to be directed by Jonathan Frakes, oh, man. Oh, my man. Riker
0: my, and it, Picard. Uh, I mean, I exploded. can imagine. I can it imagine.
1: Just, and just what – you know, sometimes you, you walk onto a set and – Especially when you you're sort of a guest star actor and you you jump from show to show, you know sometimes you get to set and you read the environment and you realize oh this is a show where I just sit in my chair, I don't talk to anyone, I keep my head down, I know my lines, I'm gonna go do my job and then I'm gonna go home. And Star Trek was so warm and welcoming. I went for the prosthetic fitting, and then they were like, do you want to meet Jonathan Frakes? And I was like, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean I have bits of latex like pulling <laughs> off my face, but sure, let's go meet him. And they took me to the the dining room. They were on lunch at the time. And in the middle of the dining room, Jonathan Frakes just stood up and was like, Dominic Burgess, welcome to the family. And just
0: And Jonathan is a a big... He's a big guy. He's an overwhelming, intimidating figure. Uh, So
1: warm. You know, he's... Again, he's one of those warm, open, friendly people. And he just exudes so much love for Star Trek mm -hmm. and working with Patrick. And he ran... The most joyous set. It was someone's birthday. I don't know if it was the, the DP's birthday, or one of the camera guys' birthday. And after every setup, he would start the charge in singing Happy Birthday. We must have sung Happy Birthday to this guy maybe 12, 13 times that day. Wow. Um, he just keeps a warm, upbeat, friendly set. And it was just a joy. What a joy.
0: Now, Jonathan and Patrick, they have known each other for 30-plus years. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you see them interacting? I mean, they must be really good friends.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and what was so wonderful was that, you know, we were, we were filming in a nightclub uh, up on Universal uh, City at CityWalk where um, – you know, uh, they sort of made it look like Stardust City and and dress the set, and it would be it would have been so easy for them to have been dismissive, or for them to, after each take, to go and find a quiet corner. Yeah. And between takes, we would just sit in the booths of these nightclubs, and Jonathan and Patrick would just reminisce about old stories and patrick asked about my background and was like i'm from stoke on trent and he was like ah stoke on trent the old vic theater and you know it, it was they were so warm and welcoming that yeah i, I you just i would imagine it's
0: like this it's hard to put into words. Uh, just yeah, and I two. handled it
1: very well. Because yeah. like inside, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But outside, I was very professional.
0: Yes. Uh, let's go back to Dr. Death for a little bit. Do you think sure. the actual real story is uh, a lot scarier than what can be
1: portrayed on the screen? You know, I read, I read something... Uh, earlier on about the show that I thought oh that's that's a great way of putting it Um, in in one of the articles someone described it as you know in the 70s Jaws made people scared to go in the ocean and sort of and now Dr. Death is is doing the same for for surgeries where it's giving people pause and 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 second thought and I think you know, sometimes I, I think it's interesting that NBC Peacock is, is doing this because, you know, they have New Amsterdam and there's uh, Grey's Anatomy on ABC and all these medical dramas where the doctors are the heroes yeah. and, you know, you feel like you're in good hands and everyone's going to be fighting to save your life. And in, in the surgical bays, they'll, they'll keep doing CPR for two hours until yeah. that person comes around and they can reunite the family. And this is... This is not that. Um, and I, I think what's, you know, I, I don't know if, if a dramatization can ever match what has been done in, in real life, to, to answer your question. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, it's terrifying to think that this happened and it could be happening somewhere else or it could be happening in another country or, you know, yeah. that... Even in England, um, we had our own, I guess, Doctor Death. You would call him uh, Doctor Harold Shipman, who again uh, was responsible for, I think, gosh, maybe even hundreds of deaths. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it, it is a terrifying thing to to shine a spotlight on. But I don't. I would never presume to say that a show is, is scarier yeah. than what we've done in real life.
0: I think real life is much more scarier than what we see on TV. I think that's why a lot of us uh, turn to TV for an escape from real life. <laughs> would you say, uh, you know, Joshua's character, Christopher, Dr. Dunce, would you call him a narcissist, a psychopath? How would you classify him?
1: You know... It's interesting, we had this discussion on, on set many times, uh, with Patrick and, and Josh, um, and I think what's great about the show is we. it's impossible to get inside this guy's head, mm-hmm. whether it was a god complex where he really thought that he was better than everyone else, but he just didn't have the technical skill that yeah. he really thought that he did, or... If he got into that operating room and he really knew what he was doing and there was this need or desire to hurt people. It, it's it's a fac- it's a really fascinating character study or question to ask. And I don't know if we'll I ever know yeah. I, I don't know if, if Christopher Dunch will ever take ownership Mm-mm. for what he has done. Um which again is, I think, is is terrifying in itself that people can move through society like that and be in those positions of responsibility. Yeah,
0: um, and use their charm and charisma and have mm-hmm. people just follow them. That's that's a scary thing. Now, yeah. Doctor Death is premiering tomorrow, correct?
1: Yeah, I don't know if uh, I know when Disney stream stuff it's sort of midnight West Coast time, but it's sometimes on Hulu when it's Handmaid's Tale, it's nine o'clock East Coast. It's out tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it varies. Nine, yeah, yeah. Midnight. It varies uh, from streaming network to streaming network. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, What I have noticed is they like to do it simultaneously. So to, at least in the United States, to make sure they include the whole country, it will be released like i'm on the east coast it will be released Uh somewhere between 3 to 5 a.m to make sure they cover the entire united states Uh now i've never gotten the privilege to talk to someone where a brand new show is premiering literally the next day as an actor on this show uh you guys i've seen it it's a great show but what are you feeling the night before the premiere as a as an actor on this show, are you like, God, I hope this does well? Uh, do you I have faith it that it will? Uh, how are you feeling right now?
1: You know, it's hard because I haven't seen any of it at all. Um, wow. I was I just got back from filming in, in Puerto Rico. So
0: I've actually seen more than you have.
1: You've seen more than <laughs> I have. Um, I went in maybe a, a month ago to do some ADR, so I saw snippets of scenes, but that was in a... work capacity to to sort of hide airplane noise and and things that were happening in the club and and whatnot um so you know more than i know uh so again i don't think it's gonna be a batman begins situation where i don't see the light of day no Um, no 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 so that's nice at least um yeah i i don't know it's it's I think it's always exciting. I think, you know, when you're an actor, you hope that, that people respond to your work and, and the the jobs that you do, you know, whether it's theater and you, you're feeding off the live audience or whether it's TV or, and film. Um, yeah, I, you know, in a, an ego-driven way, it's nice to have people enjoy your work, yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah. Now, because this is based on a real story, well, inspired by real events, and it is a TV show, this is not a movie. Very, not. I don't wanna say rarely, but it's not often we see uh, a television series that is uh, based on real events. Uh, do you know, is there a lifespan on this show if it does as good as you guys hope it does? is it going to be a limited series or is
1: it, you know, we're going to keep going until I don't, I don't think so. I, um, I imagine that this just lives in its own sort of limited eight episode arc. Uh, I know that there is a, a second season of the doctor death podcast that focuses on another doctor. Um, so if it were to move forward, I think it would operate, like an anthology series like american horror story where each season focuses on on a different story um i'm not sure if i think um peacock were planning on doing a a documentary alongside it um so maybe that will go hand in hand with it but i think the the story is told in as much as they want to tell it okay uh, in those eight episodes yeah
0: now, as an actor, do you like the idea of, of uh, just moving on from character to character and not... Let's say, let's say it does take the route of American Horror Story and becomes an anthology, but as with American Horror Story, they keep bringing back the same actors to play different characters. Now, that's appealing. As an actor, do you like the idea of doing different characters and not getting stuck playing one character for an extended period of time.
1: It's so funny that you ask this, because I was talking with someone else about this earlier on today. Um, Doctor, De- We filmed Dr. Death over six months in, in New York, and... Like you say, normally I'm an actor that will go from job to job, mm-hmm. and I will bounce from Sunny in Philadelphia to Star Trek to The Magicians to The Flash or Good Place. And sometimes I feel like I'm I'm a squirrel foraging for nuts that I've like, oh, I've got to take every job that I can get because I don't know where the next job is coming from. And I've got to sort of save up and, uh, yeah, look for work, look for work. And it was so... Hard for me to adjust when I got to Doctor Death, because it was six months constant work, and in those first couple of weeks, I felt like I should be doing. I should be, I should be looking for what's next. I should. We started filming in October, and then I was already thinking like, but what about April? I've got to, I've got to start thinking about what I've got to do in in April. Um, and it took a while to get out of that mentality and just. Enjoy the moment. And enjoy the moment and enjoy the work. And then, you know, by the time I got to March and we only had a couple of days of filming left, then that old mentality of like, okay, now what's next? Now it's got to get back into survival mode. Um, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a real different feeling. I've, you know, I, I'd done Feud and I, I'd been on Ant Farm for an extended period of time on, on Disney um, and it is nice to have those moments of, oh, I can relax and I've got yeah. a job and I, I know what's going on for the next few months and that's really nice. Um, but yeah, like right now I, I just finished this job in Puerto Rico and now I, I landed back in LA and I'm, I'm back onto like, now what, now what, <laughs> which I I enjoy too. And I've been so fortunate to, to play such an eclectic range of roles, uh, So I enjoy, I enjoy it. I enjoy the process. I enjoy being an actor, I I love it. Of
0: course, of course. Now, you said Dr. Death, you guys were shooting it during COVID. Um, Did you guys, because of the timeline, did you start before the shutdown? Were you already shooting during the shutdown? There was no interruption?
1: We started in October, so New York was, Pretty much shut down. Um, I, I live in Los Angeles and I, I flew to New York and, um, you know, I was very safety conscious. I didn't want to be the guy responsible for shutting down a set. And so mm-hmm. I, I walked everywhere. I didn't go on to subways or in uh, bars or restaurants. Um, um, and we had a shutdown just out of an abundance of precaution. Um, we shut down for two weeks in november um where things started was, ramping
0: up again yeah
1: yeah so we we shut down just around thanksgiving for two weeks and then we came back and then it was christmas and then we came back um and went straight through till march um but yeah it was it was an odd experience it was to experience new york at that time you know with broadway being dark and everything being quiet i mean it was it was kind of lovely in a way because i would never experienced new york that quiet and so you could sort of walk out onto the streets early in the morning and it would just be eerily silent and beautiful there was snowstorms while we were there and i would get up at six o'clock in the morning and, and venture out and you know,
0: I, I was uh, I was born and raised in New York for 23 oh. years, and to see I live just outside of D.C. now, but uh-huh. I still my family's there. I own my childhood home there, and to see pictures of Times Square completely empty, mm-hmm. I'm like I thought I never thought I would see the day. Yeah, Boy, it's literally a ghost town, and mm-hmm. that's how scary it was. Now you had the opportunity uh, to work on them. Uh, How would you describe that experience? Great.
1: Uh, Again, I I was fortunate enough. uh, The director of of my episode, Nelson Nelson, uh, Craig, I knew from Feud. He was uh, a DP on Feud, and now his career has progressed, and now he's directing. Uh, And so, yeah, he reached out to me and was like, hey, there's there's this role. Um, And I love horror. And I hadn't had a chance to do a whole bunch of of horror. So I was like, yeah, immediately. Or any any kind of time that there's uh, a period piece or something that I've never done before, never had an opportunity to do, or if it's in a, a location that I've never been to before. You know, there, there are different things that uh, attract me to jobs. If yeah. it's, you know, like yeah i'll go to puerto rico yeah i'll do a horror film like i'm still waiting uh i'm still chomping at the bit to do a western anytime there's uh science fiction or horror involved i'm i'm probably going to be like yeah let's go um yeah so you know knowing that that nelson was was involved and and knowing that it was going to be a horror piece and yeah, it was it was a no-brainer to to say yes to that.
0: Now, another horror that you've been a part of is Deadcon. Uh how did you become a part of the Deadcon cast?
1: You know, that I think was just a, an audition that came in. Uh I know uh Je- Jessica Sherman was the casting director on that and it was a low budget mm-hmm. film and uh she very nicely approached and and said, "Hey, you know, there's this it's a low budget film. It's not going to pay very much." And again, it's it's like one of those things um, where d- d- depending on the job, if, if it's a low budget film, I'll still do low budget films and short there have films. There've
0: been some amazing low budget films.
1: Yeah, I I I'll absolutely do those. Um, you know, to to an extent, depending on what it is. But if if someone calls and says like, "Hey, will you do three days on this thing?" I was like, "Yeah." Three days is three days is nothing. Of course, I'll go do that. It's just down the road in North Hollywood, Burbank, Pasadena. Absolutely, I'll do it. You know, it becomes a different story if someone's like, "Hey, can you do our low budget film?" And we're filming in Sacramento, and it's going to be seven weeks. And get yourself there, and Airbnb yourself, and then it's a then it becomes a different conversation. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I. I, I love working. I'm I'm at my happiest when I'm on set. and I'm watching and I'm learning and I'm meeting new people and learning new skills. So I'm I'm very uh, working uh, with Alfred Molina on, on Feud. Uh, I asked him if if he would do a, a short film that that I was going to write and direct, uh, and he was like, Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a whore when it comes to work. Um, and sort of i I've sort of taken that mentality of like, Oh yeah, I. I, I get it. I love working.
0: And you mentioned feud because that's exactly where I was going to go to next. What was your favorite part of embodying
1: this historical figure on feud? Oh my gosh. So, so good. And so different to, to Jerry Summers, you know, um, I was aware of Victor Bruno's work, uh, from the original Batman series. And he was a voice in one of my favorite childhood cartoons, flight of dragons. And, uh, that was very, that was a very different experience because there were so many live performances of his to draw from, whether it's Batman or in interviews and talk shows and his nephew reached out to me and shared old photos and stories and, so I was really, I was really able to embrace that role, sort of openly and mm-hmm. sort of joyously. Again, he was this big, larger than life character, um, and that it was a real joy and a real, oh my gosh, what a what a treat to, to get to meet and work with with Alfred Molina, who is, you know since I first seen him in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. And, you know, being a British character actor, seeing the trajectory that his career has, you know, yeah, continued to, to be in explode. Dark, and just wonderful, wonderful performances. And I've seen him live on stage and just someone who you look up to as as a an artist and to be such a wonderful human being as well is just the best.
0: What was it like? Uh, Ryan Murphy and Jessica Lang were also involved in Feud. Mm-hmm. Now, Ryan Murphy is the creator of American Horror Story. And mm-hmm. of course, for like the majority of the seasons, Jessica Lang was in every season of American mm-hmm. Horror Story. What was it like working with those
1: two? Great. You know, I. Well, was, It was one of those situations where I was a little intimidated at first because Ryan is, is you know, he knows exactly what he wants. Uh, but after doing the first scene uh, with Susan where I, I meet her with the donuts, uh, he came out from behind Video Village and he gave me a hug and he said, we're going to have so much fun. And then, you know, the nerves sort of melt away and... Um, yeah, just again, uh, just one of those joyous, once in a lifetime jobs, I think. And then, like I said, I, I asked Alfred if he would be in in this short film that I had written, and then I, I directed that. Alfred did it, and then I used the short film to jump onto Ryan Murphy's director mentorship program. Mm-hmm. So then I was able to go and shadow on nine one one, and while I was shadowing on nine one one uh we had a call to say hey are you free to just come and do an episode of american horror story on monday so i was like yeah i've just been shadowing the director all this week okay cool and so i went from shadowing the director and then he jumped onto american horror story on monday and i was there on set he was like wait you're not you're not shadowing on this show too are you and i was like nope today i'm one of your actors um (laughs) so you know they they call it a a family they they say like oh you're part of the, the ryan Murphy tv family and uh it, it really That's it an feels honor like, right there. yeah you know to to get to sit and and watch and and shadow the directors uh as as part of of that world too yeah really just wonderful so many wonderful things of have, have um you know blossomed from from feud um i did a horror film uh ma yes. down in, in mississippi and that uh that came from Feud, where, where Tate, the director, had seen Feud and called and was like, Hey, uh, put yourself on tape for the role of Stu. Uh, and then went down and met Tate and John in Mississippi, and that led to another film. And and now I've done the directing on Ryan Murphy's half-director mentorship program and and started directing now i have a world war 2 feature film in development with those guys in mississippi and so connections you know,
0: connections leading to more and yeah and more everything stuff.
1: just starts to to grow and you meet more people and like-minded people who just are kind and enjoy working and yeah it's it's a i'm i'm very very grateful and very blessed yeah
0: staying with american horror story for a second you were on an episode you have obviously like you said Worked with Ryan Murphy. What is the atmosphere like on the set of you know? That, what were your impressions of the set of American Horror Story with the actors? Uh-huh. Uh, what season of American Horror Story were you were on? Apocalypse, right? Yes, yeah. I think I yes. love that season. Uh,
1: well, I think the day that I was there, um, I think they just done some rewrites at short notice because they asked me on a Friday to go and do it on the Monday or maybe my days, it was, it was falling on a day that an event was happening for the Emmys. And so a lot of the cast were going off site to do that. Um, But it was a, it was a great set. We were filming down at uh, the Hollywood forever cemetery down uh, in Hollywood, which is, if anyone's in Los Angeles, there's a, a company called Synespia that will do Hollywood screenings of cult classic films, and they will screen them on the side of the mausoleum, and you can take a picnic, and uh, I think they have Scream and Scream 2 coming up for, for Halloween, like really fun stuff. So to, to be filming there uh, was a lot of fun, and yeah, I'd been shadowing Bradley the week before, and so it was, it was a nice, fun, even though you know, it's gory and messy.
0: They keep Anytime it lighthearted. To... They keep it lighthearted.
1: Yeah. It's fine. I think every show has its own sort of tone and feel, you know, I, I feel like, like you said, I, I've gone from set to set to set. Um, You, you learn very quickly what sets are the ones where you, oh, okay, I'm, sitting down and I'm keeping my head down and staying in my lane and the ones that are open and, and embracing of you know outside actors coming into to their playground and I think it starts from you know the number one and number mm-hmm. two of of the show of the call sheet uh that that sets the tone um and it, it makes a it makes a huge difference yeah I,
0: I bet I mean I would think going on to a set where everybody's you know open and and welcoming Instead of, like you just said, going on to a set where you've just a feeling. I mean, nothing needs to be done. Just the feeling is just go there, keep your mouth shut, do your job, and then, you know, end the day. The
1: the the sets where you you get there and everyone is warm and open and they want to collaborate and they want to do the best work, that's, for me at least... That's where my best work comes mm-hmm. out is, is when I feel like, oh, okay, this is a safe environment to, yeah. to play an experiment. And if I've got this idea for a scene, I'm, I feel safe to try it rather than, you know, some sets, which will remain nameless on yeah. not that, um, yeah. you know, I've, I've had terror on one or two examples where, it has been a a really unpleasant experience Mm -hmm. and you get home at the end of the day and you shake it off
0: Yeah.
1: uh, and okay. That happened, but it's, it's not on, I think sometimes actors sort of carry around like, Oh my gosh, I must've done something wrong. And often it's not the case. It's not on you. It's Mm -hmm. someone else's issue and their problem. And you go, and you do your job and put it behind you.
0: Yep. Now you're, you're from the UK. You're mm-hmm. living in LA now. Uh, you went to drama school in the UK. Uh, I did. Uh, which? Uh, how long have you been in the US now? Like Gosh, living in LA?
1: Fourteen years. I I got here in November of 2007, just as the writers' strike was starting.
0: Oh
1: um which ended up being wonderful for me i mean you know terrible for for the industry at the time but again i i came and i was so wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and naive that i was like here i am in los angeles and i'm a member of british equity so i'm sure i'll be able to do sack projects and nope um but yeah it was it was the it was the writer's strike but it ended up helping me in a way because casting directors had nothing to do. Nothing was being cast, nothing was being made. And so I'd I'd had the experience of of working in London and I would be lucky in London if I I could get an audition maybe once every four or five months. And then there's that that pressure there that like, oh, I've got to, I've really got to do my best in this audition and if I don't get it, I'm not gonna get another chance to to do an audition for another five months. And because of the writer's strike, all of these casting directors were teaching classes or having general meetings to meet new actors. And I met in, I feel like in three weeks of being in L.A., I'd met more casting directors than I had in three years of being in London. And, you know, the the writer's strike went on for a while. And I, I, I met so many great casting directors the first three or four months that I was here that really I, th- I think it was, it was beneficial. A lot of people left town because it was like, there's nothing going on. Um, and I was like, well, I'm here. I'm going to get a day job at the Auckland Movie Theater and I'm going to stop meeting people. Um, I mean, I've, I
0: I've spoken to a lot of filmmakers, actors, and uh, this really surprises me. There doesn't seem to be that much, uh, I don't know, if opportunities, even financing available for filmmakers especially in the independent industry in the united kingdom and that uh as an american that really surprises me
1: you know i i i think the industry has changed since i left when i was in london i i found the industry to be very inaccessible and very hard and i'm sure you know everyone is going to have a completely different journey. You could put 20 actors of the same type in a room and let them meet the same casting directors and the same creators. And everyone's going to have a radically different career. London, London wasn't my city. Mm -hmm. Uh, but as soon as I got to Los Angeles, I, I felt like, Oh, okay. I'm meeting people and I'm auditioning and this is, this is what it's supposed to be. Um, and I didn't have that in London. And I, and I know I have friends from America who've gone to London and they, they've had the, the opposite experience where they can't get work in London. And I've had friends come from the UK to Los Angeles and they've not been able to meet people. And it's, uh, I still I think acting is still a mystery, you know, it's.
0: So, so professionally moving to LA was one of the best decisions you could have oh,
1: made. The, I, the best the best decision i could have ever made and you know there there have been ups and downs and um again when i when i got to la wide-eyed and bushy-tailed i was on something called an O one one visa mm-hmm. and i thought like great i have a visa i can work on anything and i auditioned for tintin that was directed by steven spielberg and uh i, I think i auditioned in july august and they told me in September that I booked it and I was like, oh my gosh, I booked Tintin. This is great. It's going to film in February and it's going to be motion capture and I'm so excited. And December came around and I went down to Marina Del Rey where the, the studio was and they did the the Weta digital scan and they fitted me for the motion capture suit and the helmet and I went home to England for Christmas and then Christmas Eve I had a phone call from Paramount saying hey, oh. uh, we don't take O-1 visas. Uh, we're going to try and get you our own visa. And then that job went away. And there, That there were, sucks. There were multiple jobs on the on the O-1 visa that I wasn't able to do, that I auditioned for and I booked, that I wasn't able to do. Um, and then I applied for my green card. My first green card got rejected. And so then I had to save another $10,000 again to, to do the second green card case. And... It's it's been a slog and and now uh, April of this year I became an American citizen. So oh, so now now if if Stephen wants to come calling again,
0: he can. you are available absolutely. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. But oh. what a nightmare at the time. You know, it I think every actor's career is it's I think that's what acting is. It's it's incredible highs and incredible lows and like I was saying, you know, foraging like a squirrel because you don't know
0: you don't, you don't know what the next, the next job next. is or when it's coming.
1: Yep. Yep, yep, yep.
0: Dominic, this hour has just flown by. It's been an... hour abs- already. Yeah, yeah. It's been such an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Dr. Death is premiering tomorrow. Sometime tomorrow. We don't know exactly when. We're still oh. trying to figure out the streaming, how the streaming networks do it. But it is coming out Friday, July 15th, which is tomorrow. Uh... I've had the honor to see the first couple of episodes. It's a really good show. It's based on real events. Please check it out. Uh, Dominic is great in it. Uh, Alec Baldwin is in it. Christian Slater. uh, Joshua, who plays the Doctor. So, check it out. You're not going to be disappointed. Dominic, thank you so much for being a part of our show and sharing all your stories with us. Uh, Really looking forward, and I think, I really believe Dr. Death is going to be a, a big success. Uh who
1: knows? But onwards, I mean, onwards, wherever the road
0: may lead. Exactly. There's no guarantees, but I really think it's going to be a success. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck. So thank you so much for tell, for yeah. coming here and sharing all these great stories with us. Uh thank you to our audience for tuning in. Any final thoughts you want to share?
1: Uh no, thank you so much. I, I see all these uh Little comments on the, the, the Yeah. On the yeah, side. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Colette. I wonder if he lived near me. Maybe. I'm from Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah. Uh, so if I talk to my parents over Skype, then <laughs> the old Stoke-on-Trent accent comes out to play.
0: <laughs> that is so awesome. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe. On behalf of Dominic and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Good night.